0: of other announcements first mary is going to talk about easter lilies
1: well we've run into a little with easter lilies um our grower our wholesale grower that we get them from is already sold out so we haven't even turned in our order yet uh, the reason being last year i guess a lot of the churches weren't open yet and they were stuck with so many plants that they just had to throw them out they really kind of lost their shirt on that last year. Now most churches are up and going. So um, they, of course, underestimated on the number of plants that they grew. And they're sold out. I mean, we, they haven't even received our order yet. So they contacted us and said, you know, they won't be getting this. So do not fill this out today because we won't be getting those. Um, so the worship committee, we split up differently called. All kind of florists all over everywhere and there's just a shortage everywhere they don't have them so um if you gave money for lilies we can either refund your money or we'll kind of keep it in like a little kitty and i am going to try to purchase just a few lilies if i can find them because they will be in some of the retail stores we'll have them walmart lowe's and that type of thing so i'll um, purchase enough just to make a nice display up in front of the altar and um i may have to fill in with some flowers that i have but we will have some type of display but so hopefully next year now that they know there's a market for it they will increase and grow a bigger number so that's what happened with the easter lilies so we'll make we'll make do so all right thank you
0: Right, and Nola has one about women's Bible study.
2: I just want to make sure all the ladies know that we are starting our women's Bible study back up after Easter. Um, It'll be on Thursday evenings. We're going to do a study of the book of Esther, um, a guided study. So if you want to participate and haven't talked to me yet, let me know. Today would be great, definitely by next Sunday, so we can order books. Um, If you've never joined us before, we would love to have you.
0: Are there any other announcements, any other prayer requests that the congregation should know? Yeah, Gary. Uh,
3: I just want to let you know, I got my wife home from the hospital again, and uh, she wanted wanted me to tell you uh, to thank for the cards and the prayers, and especially thank you for the visitations that you give us at the hospital.
0: Yeah. Keep Rose in our prayers as she continues in her recovery. If there are no other announcements, i invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude. if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness let us confess our sin in the presence of god and of one another most merciful god we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. us pray eternal God your kingdom has broken into our troubled world through the life death and resurrection of your son help us to hear your word and obey it and bring your saving love to fruition in our lives through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit one God now and forever amen
2: a reading from Isaiah "'Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. "'And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. "'Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. "'Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, "'and your labor for that which does not satisfy? "'Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, "'and delight yourselves in rich food. "'Incline your ear and come to me. "'Listen so that you may live. "'I will make with you an everlasting covenant "'my steadfast, sure love for David.' See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The word of the Lord. We will now intone the psalm in unison. Reading from 1 Corinthians. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples for us so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. And do not complain as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them to serve as an example, and they were written down to instruct us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out, so that you may be able to endure it. The word of the Lord.
0: Gospel according to St. Luke. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here. For three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. Well, it's March, so I had to bring this out. Have you all seen these around at all? No? It's my bracket. Um, Yeah, so of course in March, it's the big college basketball tournament to find out who the champion is going to be, right? And so some of us like to print off the brackets of the tournaments, and we pick winners and try to guess who's going to win. So this is mine, and mine's not good. I already have Two of my final four teams are out already, so I didn't do very well. Uh, but this time of year around March, college basketball becomes a big deal. Lots of people pay attention to it, lots of people fill out these brackets. People become obsessed with what's called March Madness, right? this college basketball time. One of the things that's so exciting about the college basketball tournament and why we fill out these brackets and have fun with them is because the tournament itself is one and done, right? If you lose a game, you're out. Your season is over. You have no chance to be the champion, right? It's one game. It comes down to one game. You have to win that game to move on. If not, you're done. You're one and done. And so the excitement comes. You have big basketball teams and big basketball programs like Kentucky this week lost to a little school called St. Peter's, and no one expected them to win. Right, and so everyone's excited, right? Because those little schools beat the big schools and so on. Right, but it's this idea you've only got one chance, so you have to make it make it count or you're done. Well, I think about our gospel reading this morning. In that reading, Jesus tells a story about a tree that's not producing any fruit. Well, the owner of the tree keeps giving it chances. One year after another, after another, the tree keeps getting fertilizer and gets fed, and it gets chance after chance after chance. Well, what's that telling us? Well, God is not like this tournament. God's not like March Madness. You're not one and done. Right? God promises us mercy. So God says, even if you mess up, even if you make a mistake, even if you're not perfect, he's still going to embrace you. He still gives you an opportunity to return to him and to receive his love, right? And so that's our story with God is that he's always giving us a chance. He's always calling us back, always telling us that it's not one and done. Yes, we make mistakes, but God says when we return, he'll forgive us, right? We're not one and done in God's eyes. Well, let's pray. Lord, teach us to love your mercy and to know that you are always calling us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, our gospel this morning. It's not an easy one, and it's not one that we often think about when we think about the Gospels or think about the good news of Christ. It's a difficult reading. And so I want to start by looking at the very beginning of how the scene starts. And so our Gospel begins by setting the scene at that very time. And so if we go back to the end of chapter 11, the beginning of chapter 12, we can see what that time is. But Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and crowds are seeking him out. In fact, Luke 12.1 says, crowds gathered by the thousands, so that they even trampled on one another to hear Jesus. In addition to the curious crowds, Luke also tells us that Pharisees and scribes are seeking him out to ask him hostile questions and to try to catch him in a trap. And so we might understand this morning's reading then as the Pharisees and the scribes trying to trap Jesus. And they're trying to either turn the crowd against him or to turn the Roman authorities against him. Some in the crowd begin to ask Jesus about a recent tragedy. So it seems that some Jews from Galilee became political enemies of Pilate. And Pilate was the Roman governor of the region at that time. And so Pilate had his henchmen kill these Jews who became his enemies. And not only did he have them killed, but he had them killed in the temple where they were making their sacrifices. And if you've read the book of Leviticus, you know just how holy and set apart these sacrifices in the temple were to be. And so this is a gruesome political murder. Pilate is sending a clear message to the Jews about how they were to behave. Well, we can see then the trap that's being set for Jesus. So if Jesus then condemns the brutality of Pilate, well, he's now going to be Pilate's enemy, and Pilate might just seek to eliminate Jesus. On the other hand, if Jesus fails to condemn Pilate, the crowds might turn against Jesus, thinking he is unconcerned about Israel and the cruelty of Rome. And so the Pharisees, one way or the other, think they have Jesus in a trap they've got him. But Jesus, as he always seems to show, doesn't play these kinds of gotcha games. Jesus, instead, makes an entirely new argument. And Jesus says to them, the way we ought to respond to this tragedy is first not to deflect from our own sinfulness, but instead to begin to receive each day as God's mercy. And so Jesus points out that it's always easy to react to any tragedy by first assigning blame. Jesus, however, asks us to step back and consider reports of tragedy as they connect to us spiritually. And so Jesus' first point is that his audience is composed entirely of sinners deserving of God's judgment. So notice how he moves from one tragedy, Pilate's execution of the Galileans, to another, a tower that fell and killed 18 people. Well, Jesus is doing this to make sure everyone is clear on his point. In the case of the Galileans, some might argue that, well, they deserved their punishment. They shouldn't have made enemies with Pilate. They deserved their death. They were breaking the law. They were sinners. But for those who were killed by a falling tower, it's clear that they weren't breaking any law. It was just a seemingly random tragedy. And so his point is that we don't understand any of these tragedies And we certainly should not understand them in terms of divine retribution. This isn't about God punishing one group over and against another. And so Jesus wants to avoid that common assumption. The common assumption that God acts in random retribution, and if calamities befall us, well, it means that we deserve them. Or if calamities don't befall us, it means that, well, we're good and God has blessed us. Instead, Jesus just turns the whole argument around, and Jesus says that unless we repent, we actually deserve the same kind of fate as all of those who were killed. According to Jesus, the Galileans who were killed by Pilate were sinners in the same way that those killed by the tower were. That is to say, well, we are all sinners in the same way that they were. All of us are sinners. All of us deserve God's judgment. Jesus also wants us to avoid the assumption that in the world's evils that we're innocent and someone else is always to blame. Some in Jesus' time wanted to blame everything on the Romans. Some wanted to blame everything on revolutionaries like these Galileans. The idea here is that we often want to blame the evil that exists in this world entirely on someone else. It's always someone else's fault. The world's problems are always someone else's fault. Right? It's always the Democrats or the Republicans. It's always one country or another, one racial group or another. It's always men, it's always women, and so on. We always want to find someone else to pin the world's evil on. But Jesus wants to be clear here. If we're going to name the evils in the world, we must first start with ourselves. He says we are no better than any who have faced calamities. And so our personal response to such calamity... It's a call to examine our own hearts. I'm reminded by a quote by the Russian writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn. So he was an author during Soviet Russia and he was sent to the gulags as a political dissident under Stalin's regime. And so his memoir about that time, the Gulag Archipelago, it sold millions of copies. But he writes in that memoir about a realization he had while in the gulags he realizes that evil power, like Stalin, arose to power precisely because of the evil in his very own heart. And so he comes to this realization in prison and he writes, Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but it passes right through every human heart. Indeed, it passes through all human hearts. This, in many ways, is also Jesus' point in our gospel this morning. We can talk about Pilate's cruel and evil heart. We certainly can. We can talk about the crimes of the Galileans. We could. But all of it is futile unless we first recognize the sin in our own heart. As sinners, then, the correct response to calamities like are reported to Jesus is to repent. It's not first to assign blame. It's not to assume that God favors us over others because we avoided calamity. No, according to Jesus, seeing the calamities of others should remind us that we're never guaranteed that such a thing won't befall us. Our call is to repent of our own sins first. And that word repentance, it's so key to understanding the gospel's Because repentance is not really a word on morality. Repentance is not directly about doing a 180 and living a new morally outstanding life. Such a 180 may be involved in repentance, but repentance itself is about a new perspective. Repentance is about a changed mind or a changed understanding. And so in the truest sense, according to Jesus, repentance is about receiving God's mercy When we repent, we no longer see ourselves as our own savior. We no longer rely on our own goodness and our own efforts and assume that that's enough. When we repent, our focus is changed to God as merciful father. The life of repentance then understands that whatever is good in our lives is entirely a result of God's willingness to be merciful to us. So there is no promise of freedom from calamity there's no promise that bad things won't befall us. There's only a reminder here from Christ that each day is a sign of God's care for us. Each day that we are still breathing is a new opportunity to return to the Lord. Each day is to live out our baptism. Each day is a call to repentance and a call to trust in God's mercy. And so each day we are given It says to us, this is the day that the Lord has made. How are you going to use that day? Will you remember that whatever you have this day is from the Lord? Will you remember that whatever advantages you have, whatever good health, whatever moment to live free is given to you because God is calling you into relationship with him? That's what this day has been made for. And when some people die by the sword, some by natural calamity, some by tragedies and accidents. It's not because God is punishing them for some past sin. It's not because somehow those people are worse sinners than you and me, because if that were the case, none of us would be alive today. Rather, the tragedies of this world are a call for us to refocus our lives, to recognize that each day is given to us because God is merciful, Each day, God wants us to return to him and to know his goodness. Amen. let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, we believe in one holy catholic and apostolic church we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come amen let us pray for the church the world and for all who are in need almighty god you order and number our days according to your wisdom Give us repentant hearts, lest we perish with this world of violence and suffering, that we would hold fast to Christ for our life and our salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord, you take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but desire that they would turn and live. Give preachers courage to warn of sin and death. Give all Christians strength to defend that message. Turn sinners to life by the proclamation of Christ. Who delivers us from all unrighteousness lord in your mercy Amen. god of all you establish justice not through the desires of sinners but by your law which is for all enlighten the authorities of this and every nation especially joseph our president and richard michael our governor that they might rule justly for true good in this land lord in your mercy Amen. Holy God, remembering your people who cry to you for mercy in this world, deliver those in need of healing and comfort, especially Nathan, Bob, Steve, Dick, Steve, Mike, Chuck, Nancy, Kelly, Marcy, Greg, Alan, Ray, Jean, Marilyn, Jean, Mike, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Jane, and Steve. Strengthen them to look to you for help in their times of affliction. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Lord of life, you have brought us into your vineyard and appointed us to bear good fruit. Receive our thanks for your patience and grant that we would show your love and grace in all that we say and do. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you led your people Israel through the sea and fed them in the wilderness until you delivered them to the promised land. You also have faithfully enlivened your people with Christ by means of baptism and communion. Receive our thanks for your kindness to the saints who now rest from their labors and sustain us by your means of grace until you deliver us also to heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, right
3: our
0: it is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and Merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal feast, that renewed in the gift of baptism we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life, and we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast. Grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. And with your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy trinity, now and forever. Amen. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks Thanks be to God. Invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Serve the Lord.